There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Good morning to you. This is happening, we think, down around, uh, down around James Fort and that general area, sort of between Riverstick and down towards Kinsale. I saw something on uh, social media during the week where it said, keep your dogs away from James Fort because one or two of them had become very, very sick. And one of your dogs or your dog is very sick at the moment. There's a real alert going on down there. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for for doing this. What's happened to your dog? <clears throat> he, um, I, he, he, started, he got sick, first of all. I won't go into the gory details. And I took him into the vets that night because he wouldn't stop being sick. And um, they gave him an anti-vomiting injection. And I think it was antibiotics. And they let me take him home, although they were doubtful about it, but I brought him home. And when I got up in the morning, there was blood all over the kitchen floor. So I rushed him straight back to the vet, and he's gone downhill ever since. Now he's hanging in there. He's made it through the night. Um, He's on a drip, but as of yet, they haven't identified what the cause is. There are two dogs, at least, that I know of that have died. So it is really serious. It's, it's, um, yeah. And and where had you been with him? Because it, we think, don't we, that they're picking this up somewhere. We we don't know. Um, but that that's that's the most likely that they're they're picking something up. Um, um, over James Fort. There, I know it, at least. Um, Six or seven cases in James Fort of people who've brought their dogs there and um, had this problem afterwards. And do the vets know what it is? No, not yet. They um, Actually, yesterday they sent a faecal sample away for analysis. There's nothing showing up in the bloods. Um, and apparently doing a toxicology on dogs is, is, is very complicated. Is, and yeah. um, so they, they, they're not able to identify whether it is a poison or not. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it could be anything, honestly. Yeah. Toxicology, could be. toxicology on doggy blood, A, is time-consuming, and B, like yeah. you said, it, it's quite difficult. But but your dog, what, what kind of a dog is he? He's a Labrador, okay. and he's very young. Um, he He's only 20 months old, so that's standing to him. because. Yeah. But one of the dogs who died was a young dog. The other one was an old dog, but... Um, they, when I was up there with him last night, they weren't sure he would make it through the night. Now he has made it through good, the night, good, but good. he's still he's still losing a lot of blood. Describe for me what happened. So you, he was out for his run, out for his walk, and yeah. then how how quickly did he get sick? It was about thirty six hours. But the thing was, you see, I walked him in um, 
James fought on Tuesday morning and Riverstick on Wednesday morning. And from the timeline, it's more likely to have been Riverstick. But given that all the other cases are um, James Fort, we're thinking it is probably James Fort. And because he's such a young dog, it took a long time for him to um, sub- okay. succumb to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you said, and I'm glad he made it through the night. I, I hope he makes it out the other side <laughs> of it. Me we too. Know, we, I know. We know that two are dead. Two are dead. And yeah. possibly more because, you know. Well, exactly. Um there were there were two vets in Kinsale. I'm with Riverview Vets. They've had one death. There has been another death, which I'm assuming was Glasslin, but I don't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I haven't I haven't contacted Glasslin to find out how many cases they've seen. Um, so most most vets are they're people of great instinct. They get it. There's very little they haven't seen. Like that's talk, right. Talking yeah, to your own true. vet, they've never seen anything like that. I mean, this isn't Parvo, no. No, 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 and it, the, the, my dog doesn't have any fever, which rules out a lot of things, so they, they are a bit mystified, yeah, absolutely, now all, they're doing all they can, they have them on, have him on fluids and three different antibiotics. Yeah, and I know it's a little bit gory, but it started with him being sick, and then... Yeah, he's, he, first of all, he vomited up his breakfast. Okay. If you want the details. <laughs> yeah, no, no, do, because, you know, maybe yeah. there's someone listening in who has a sick animal yes. and doesn't yeah, yeah. doesn't know what's going on. So he... He, he, he vomited he, up his breakfast in, in two sessions. And then he was okay for the afternoon. And I wasn't worried. He's a Labrador. And anybody who knows labs know they, they eat anything yeah. and they get sick. So I wasn't too bothered. But then round about tea time, I gave him a very small... Um, portion of food and he refused it and that again with a Labrador is a, a big, big warning. And any animal refu- any dog refusing food that normally yeah, eats... Yeah, but labs, labs, in labs in particular, they know, yeah. Yeah, they inhale their food. So um, then he started vomiting bile or, or white foamy stuff and um, I thought, okay and then it started to be slightly pink and I went, okay, off to the vet. So we um, we went to the vet some water ran or what? No, 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 no. That's why he's on a drip. I mean, he was, he wouldn't, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't drink. And, um, when I took him out, I had, a, I, they'd given me an appointment the next morning anyway. So I was up at the vet's at 8.20 and she noticed that he had deteriorated overnight. So they, they took him in and put him on a drip and gave him antibiotics. Oh, and that was, that was yesterday morning. Yeah. So he's been fighting ever since, but he went downhill during the day when I went up to see him last night. He just lifted his head to look at me, but he didn't. Um, he didn't yeah. get up. You know, you can always see if you're a doggy person and you sound like you are. You can see in their eyes. There are certain yeah. dogs, dogs you, you make, contact make contact with your eyes. Your eyes. You know when they're scared, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's he's one very sick doggy, and I said there are, there's another one. I think it must be Glasslin who's in there on a drip. So. Um, okay, and you say. You took him for a walk in Riverstick? Wednesday. I took him a walk. Let me think. 
But you possibly James no, Ford seems to be the common when, the James Ford James Ford Wednesday, Riverstick Thursday. Okay. And then he, yeah. Yeah, and James Ford seems to be the common factor. There's but I'd say it was James Ford, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do have it. I, if you, I don't know if you're following the post on Facebook, but somebody did say they had seen a pile of something that looked like horse manure dumped up there. So I'm going to go and check that this morning and see, can I get a sample of it? Um, okay. okay. God, it's very distressing. Yes, it is. It is. All right. Okay. And but, thank you. Know, you. I, w- I would just like warn people, do not leave your dogs off the lead at, at um James Ford at the moment. This was what alerted us to it. It alerted me to it during the week. I'd seen that warning and I have two dogs of my own and you bring them out Uh to a place like like James Ford, they'll go completely mad. Of course they they do. And if you have a ball, better again. Yeah, and there's so many nooks and crannies for them to disappear off into. That's the, you know, the issue. It's not like it's an open field. um, There couldn't be anybody... Duck heaven. Who, there, were, there couldn't be anybody doing this deliberately, could there? Um, I don't. I have no idea, PJ. I mean, I mean, until we know whether whether it's poison or not, you can't even go down that. You know, That's it's true. it's yeah. True. All right, and thank you very much. I hope. What's his name? Uh, oh, Aspen. Aspen. He, yeah, he's a he's an ex guide dog pup. He, um, I had him as a as a puppy puppy walking him, but yeah. he didn't make he didn't make the grade, so he came to me. Ah, oh, they're the yeah. best dogs. The best dogs, absolutely. He doesn't deserve it, poor boy. All right, well, I hope Aspen will be okay, Anne. Um, thank you for that. A lot of sick dogs down around Riverstick, down around James Fort. We think James Fort is the common factor. Two dogs dead, uh, at least one other dog as sick as Aspen on a drip, poor devil. Can't keep nothing down. Vomit and blood, and there's blood coming out both ends. It's horrible. Whatever it is, thank you, Anne, and our best to Aspen. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Come here. This is going around. We got our hands on the audio of this, and I want you to have a listen. This is a, a priest called Father Declan McInerney. Now I don't know him at all. Never, never met the man. Probably never will. He's the parish priest of the parish of Aircourt, Clonfert, and Meelick in County Galway. And he he cut loose, shall we say, on the altar in recent days uh, on the subject of Cork's own Bambi Thug. And Bambi's been on the show with me, as you know, a couple of times uh, before and since the Euro song. And hopefully I'll talk to Bambi again before the Eurovision in, in Malmo. But this Father Declan McInerney took to the pulpit the other day and let rip. I switched on the selection process for Eurosong, a song that will represent Ireland and the Irish people and what we are all about, my friends. All I can say is we are finished. We are finished as a country. I couldn't give two continental hoots what anybody is but I don't need it slammed in my face. I never watched such rubbish in all my life, starting with song number one. So we come on then, Patrick, to song number two, which I'm sure was your favourite. And I watched the opening intro 
of this one walking around the streets of McCroom down in Cork with a beautiful cape and let's just say you wouldn't see her out in a haskra of a Sunday afternoon. But it wasn't just that. I said, look, I'm open-minded. She dresses like this. That's fine. And I'm sure she's a beautiful person. Until the name was dropped that Bambi Thug will now be the one to sing song number two. And I said, Jesus, here we go again. Bambi, what's this one going to be like? But I want you to listen carefully to what my opinion is. I don't care what she dressed like, but on her back and her small ears listening, there was a slogan. And I said to myself, is this what we need now to win the Eurovision? Do we need someone now to shove this orientation in our faces? And she spoke about, you know, that she's neither here nor there, adults, you know what I'm talking about. She's sort of somewhere in the middle. Binary, non-binary, can't get my head around it. It reminds me of baling hay or straw. But that's okay too, I have no problem. But I'm just saying to myself, is this what we need for our young people to be seen at such a young age? A mother came to me during the week, in fact at one of the funerals, and she was quite distressed about a new programme that's coming in next year uh, into the secondary schools in relation to all of this uh, relationship, sexuality and all of that. And she's very concerned about first years learning such stuff. Well, I will tell you, if I had a son or a daughter, they wouldn't hear anything about it until they're 18 downright to nearly junior infants, you might hear in the schoolyard, well, you're this and you're that. And where are they hearing it? I hope not in the family home, but they are certainly hearing it on the television. And then we have to have Bambi going around in her cape, telling us what she is and what she stands for. Thankfully, on social media, I would say 99% of the comments agree with me. But a few are saying, we live in a modern Ireland. Well, God help modern Ireland if this is what the people of Europe think that we are like. What was wrong with Dana and all kinds of everything? Be who you are, but you don't have to make a song and dance about it. I won't be booking any ticket to Malmo in Sweden this year, and whatever Bambi votes she gets... I wish her well. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Father Declan McInerney from the parish of Clonfert in County Galway. This was last Sunday. And tell us how you really feel, Father Declan. 0818-9696-96. How, how would you possibly respond to that? Connecting to the big show. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Quartz 96 FM Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or 
96fm.ie. Now, we talked a lot this week about the Onabwe Educate Together uh, National School in Carrigaline. And I know it's only one area, but it's a big area. And it's a thing that's happened before because they split a campus in Douglas Rochestown a couple of years ago. What's now known as Dretton's, which is a fantastic school down there on the old road between Douglas and Carrigaline. Super school. But there was a big controversy in the run-up to that with the splitting up of campuses and what's happening in Onabwe seems to be even worse because they're taking kids to the other side of town entirely. We spoke to parents over the last couple of days. I've loads of other stuff held over this one, for example. It's ridiculous. I wonder who made this decision and if they're competent to remain in their job. I'd be questioning what other decisions they have made previously. It is impossible to go from Heronswood to the Crosshaven Road in anything like a short time. Why are people being pushed to this? We send our child to educate together on a we. We've been so amazed at the effort and care of the principal and staff. We didn't sign up for our five-year-old to be herded to the other side of Carrigaline like cattle with no facilities and no use of an all-purpose building. It's a logistical nightmare. That's from Laura. I'm a parent of an autistic child attending senior infants. He's in the mainstream part of the school, gets support during the day. The Onabwe estate I educate together has been life-changing for him and for us as a family. And again, making up the point that what if he's split if his resource is in one end and his mainstream is in another end, what happens then? Ella, PJ, our lives are designed around our children's school schedule. Two adults making arrangements at work to allow for enough time to drop off and collect the child. Um, this is not feasible again, says Ella. I have two children attending Onabwe Educate Together from Sue. Such a wonderful and nurturing school. This plan is devastating. It means one of my children will be late or miss school for at least 30 minutes a day. That's two and a half hours a week. We need the department to see sense. And there were pages and pages. Robin, I'm completely disgusted that this decision made for the school without any direct agreement with our principal. A computer says no, says Frank. Clearly ridiculous, says another message. Why aren't they condemning it? Why aren't Coveney, McGrath, etc., all local politicians, they're all aware of the situation. Why aren't they condemning it? Separating the community and moving the kids away from friends and from supports to be unwanted guests on another school's land. And I could stay here till 12 o'clock reading the stuff out. There are four TDs in Cork South Central. Three of them are government ministers, Michal Martin, Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney. The fourth TD is Sinn Féin's Donacha O'Leary. Donacha, I think you're trying to bring this up with Norma Foley, the Minister for Education. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well. It's not. It's not tenable. I know the place. You've an office there. I lived there for ten years. It's not feasible. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I suppose there's a couple of things about this. Like, I mean, the first is like, I mean, this is not the first time that the school has been through the ringer. Like in its short history, you know, since September twenty. Like there were previously um, promised a building that was then taken away from them. Now, what you know, that there was the Carrigaline Special School went in there, and there's no issue. That's not their fault or anything like that. But they were very poorly treated on that occasion as well. The proposal that's here, like, and it's hard, hard to not to think that this might have been concocted far away from 
the reality of it. Like, I mean, at a quiet time, you know, the the distance is maybe 10 minutes, which is substantial in and of itself. What, 4 a.m.? Seriously? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, at a quiet time. But, like, I mean, even that, even 10 minutes in, in the morning, like, to be separating a relatively small school um, would be would be challenging. But the reality, of course, of uh, school opening time and school closing time, particularly school opening time, is that could easily be 20 minutes, half an hour, um, depending on the traffic in Carrigal Line. The traffic in Carrigal Line is absolutely desperate. This is it's still a relatively small school. I think there's only four or five uh, class groups as yet, as in, from junior infants to, to either second or third class. Um, so you're really talking about splitting, um, you know, like the amount of resources that would be there, the division there and the impact that has on the facilities available to the children and to the teachers and to the staff as well. Um, it's really, really not tenable. Like it does seem like a plan that was concocted by somebody. To be honest, like split campuses of that kind are rarely ideal, even when they're proximate to each other. Uh, but this is not this is absolutely absurd. It's not proximate by any manner or means. It's going to be, and especially, like, I mean, look, anyone with children of school going age knows the ordeal that's involved in, you know, trying to get them out the door for a start, which can be plenty of work itself, <laughs> and then trying to, trying to, you know, make sure that they get on time, and especially if there's if there's two or three children, if there's two schools or three schools or whatever it is, you know, across primary and secondary. Like, so if there's parents here now who have one child in, uh, we'll say senior infants, one child in second class, and maybe another child in either Cargillan Community School or the Edmund Rice or the Gael Kloster, like, how in the name of God are you mm-hmm. going to manage that and make sure that all the children are on time? It's not workable at all at all. And again, it's not fair on staff in terms of like very often um, resources such as special education teachers are allocated to the school as a whole. Um, and, you know, all the, the associated supports and therapies and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that. To split that across the two campuses isn't workable. So I wrote to the minister there on Wednesday. Um, uh, I haven't received responses yet, but look to be fair, it's just two days. Yeah. But I hope I'll get a response quickly enough. Um, but I will be, I have submitted what's called a topical issue debate, which is a short debate between me and either the minister or the minister of state. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a lottery, whether it gets accepted or not, but whether it's that or questions to the Minister for Education or whatever, I will be trying to raise this okay. directly with the minister. Yeah, topic, topical uh, issues is useful, but like you said, it's very difficult to get to get yourself on yeah, that so list and get yourself chosen, and then you and then you might even get the minister into the door. But here's the thing, Donnacha. Like this, as you know yourself, your constituency colleagues there are three of the most powerful politicians in the country, and and you're a very strong opposition. If between the four of you, you can't get this reversed. Yeah, well, listen, just like, I mean, on that, like, I mean, I don't have a problem with working from anyone, whether opposition or government, to try and see if we can get a resolution. So, like, I mean, I will be speaking directly to um, particularly the two local ministers, Minister McGrath and Coveney, in relation to this, uh, to try and see how we can get this fixed, because it does need to be fixed. It needs to be fixed. Like, I mean, the other thing is, like, I mean, that they are on they're proximate to their permanent site and that was a bit of good news they got this time last year in terms of their permanent site and they were very pleased in relation to that it's on the Janeville site in the northern end of Carrigaline like and yeah, Trina, yeah. Trina the, the principal, had a wonderful idea the other morning. And again, it's the simplest idea. She said, just put the water and electrics in now and we'll move prefabs yeah. on there. Yeah, 
precisely. No, that's it. Like, I mean, it is entirely logical. This is a place that obviously there's a lot of development happened there, but there is still space. Obviously, there is space given that the permanent school is going to be here. It is the logical place to put it. Um, there is still time, I think, if things happen quickly to get this resolved in time for next September, things do have to happen quickly. Um, so, like, I mean, it is entirely logical. I believe there is the space and with the will and with okay. the um, investment and response now from the department, we can get this resolved. So, look, I'll be trying to bring it up with the Minister for Education as soon as possible, but I'll also be discussing it with our local ministers here. Like, this isn't about government or opposition. This is about getting this solved and we need to get it solved. Okay, let's see what happens, Donica O'Leary, and we're following it with interest here. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be forgotten that, well, you've got Michael McGrath, obviously, and Simon Coveney, as Donica referred to the two local ministers, both of whom live in that general area. Although, well, Simon Coveney's moved now, at least he lives in Cove. But you know yourself, he's got an office there. Michal Martin's a former minister for education uh, back in the day. Is there anything he hasn't been minister for at some point? Anyway, so let's see what happens with that and we will follow it. 0818 96 96 96. (laughs) Bambi and the priest. Oh, that's engaging you this morning and I will indeed come back to it. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM no one loves Cork like we do. I love the food in Cork. I love having a little wander around the English market, checking everything out. I love a sunrise over Cork Harbour as it wakes up our beautiful city. Has to be the people. You can't get us anywhere else. We're just special. We're the best people in the world. I just love the buzz and atmosphere of a big event in town. A match, a concert down the park. You can't beat it. This is Radio ratings are out, and you've shown Cork's 96 FM so much love. 248,000 people now listen to Cork's 96 FM and C103 every week. Source JNLR Ripsos MRBI 2023 4. Thank you so much for loving what we do. Now, stay listening for our next big money giveaway. That's all for you. Only on Cork's 96FM. Hashtag Choose Radio. 0818 96 96 96. And on the subject of the, the dogs, the sick dogs and the dying dogs down near near Riverview or near Riverstick and Jamesport, uh, it sounds like parvovirus, which spreads like wildfire. And they have blood in the stool and loss of appetite. Two things about that. Uh, most dogs are vaccinated against Parvo and they've also tested, the vets have tested this poor dog Aspen um, and there's no sign of Parvo. They can test for Parvo very, very quickly. I did say that, did I? Oh, they have it on, of course they have it on tape. <laughs> Thanks, lads. 0818 96 96 96. Now, this is um, worrying. First of all, we had a report during the week that a man had died of the measles in, uh, we think he died in Dublin, certainly in Leinster, and we think he'd picked it up in Birmingham. A man in his 40s died. It's the first recorded measles death in Ireland in over 20 years. We're also told in the last day or two that nine suspected cases of measles have been reported since the 3rd of February. One of them is in the Cork Kerry region. Um, they, they have to be confirmed as cases yet, so they're still in the lab, but they're suspected cases of 
measles. In all of 2023, there were only four confirmed cases in the whole country. Two in 2022, none in 2021, and five in 2020. We now have nine suspected cases as of the 3rd of February. Something is going on, and one man dead. Something is going on with regards to uh, the measles. Dr. Nick Flynn is Medical Director of MediHub on Union Key. Nick, you and I spoke about measles years ago uh, and the need to keep the vaccinations up. We've got a problem. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yeah, uh, nice to be back on. Yeah, certainly uh, I have a feeling of uh, a sense of deja vu this morning talking to you about uh, measles infections and measles vaccination uptake, PJ. Um, for a number of years, we've known that uh, the measles vaccine uptake in Ireland has been less than the recommended 95%. Um, and for the last 18 months in Ireland, uh, across most of the health network areas or most of the HSC areas, we've known that uh, the vaccination rates are actually less than 90%, and in some areas, unfortunately, less than 80%. But it might be helpful for the listeners, Peter, just to remind uh, ourselves what measles is. So measles is a viral infection, um, and it's uh, very, very contagious. So we would be familiar from our recent um, uh, dalliance with uh, COVID and the pandemic of the R number, which means the number of patients that get infected by a single case. So typically one person will infect two people in an unvaccinated population, but measles is so infectious that one person who has measles in an unvaccinated population will infect 12 to 16 people. So incredibly infectious like the M. I once heard it described, Nick, as the most infectious common disease known to man. Very, very infectious. Yeah, no, no, incredibly infectious. Um, the, the symptoms for, for, for parents to look out for are, in the initial days, uh, common with a lot of viral infections, unfortunately. We get a fever, high temperature, uh, runny nose, red eyes and cough, kind of your miserable uh, sick child. And then after three or four days, the typical measles rash will develop normally affecting the head and neck first, then moving moving down the body. Um, <clears throat> it's very infectious during those first three or four days before the rash appears. Yeah. And that, I suppose, the secret sauce of measles and how it spreads through a population in that it's not dissimilar to other viral infections in its early stages, and that's when it's most infectious. Yeah. Um, I suppose, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, there there is a very effective vaccine, but sadly, like you said, the rates the rates are down. Um, but we had almost eliminated it, didn't we, Nick? Yeah, well, you know, I suppose due to the, I mean, the, the measles vaccines available in Ireland since nineteen eighty five, and we've MMR since nineteen eighty eight, and in my clinical career, and I've like we've worked in quite busy practices, I've never seen a case. But it's only a matter of time before I will. Um, we did have an outbreak in Ireland in the early 90s when we had between one and 2,000 cases and one patient died during that outbreak. Yeah. We've known for some time um, that, there was, that we were at risk of another outbreak. We've got falling uh, vaccination rates and WHO data towards the end of last year flagged that there had been a 30-fold increase in measles in Europe in 2023 with over 30,000 cases 
cases reported and like tens of thousands of hospitalizations as well. So up to 20,000 hospitalizations. Yeah. Uh, more recently in the UK, our, our near neighbours, they've had a hun- over 100 outbreaks with like hundreds of confirmed cases and uh, like three or four hundred confirmed cases and like 90% of those cases being in young people most of them being in under 10 year olds um, and and the, like the the unfortunate thing is that it is a very easily vaccine preventable disease but that in the unvaccinated population uh, the complications are quite severe you can get pneumonia ear infections brain infections and in the most in serious cases it can cause serious uh, sorry, caused seizures and brain damage, and, and as we found out recently, even even death. So, like, I would encourage uh, parents to have their children vaccinated. It's two doses of an MMR vaccine, one at twelve months, and one again uh, given at the preschool age between five and six. Um, the HSE, because they have been aware of the risk of a measles uh, outbreak, have. In- Introduced a catch-up campaign, uh, and now any child between 14 months and 10 years uh, who did not receive two doses of MMR can attend the GP for a catch-up vaccination that is new. That previously, before uh, late 2023, GPs yeah. were only permitted to uh, vaccinate the 12-month-olds. Yeah, Nick, did you have you seen in your time and a lot of people refusing the MMR vaccine? We talk about the Wakefield generation and the damage that a man called Andrew Wakefield did uh, years ago. Younger yeah. listeners may not remember the man I'll go through who he was in a while. But lots yeah. of parents didn't get their children vaccinated. Are we seeing that now starting to come through in the population? Um, personally, I suppose in practice, I, I see that, that the concerns around that particular issue uh, ebbing away and being less uh, the, there was no science behind that particular uh, scare, um, and it's been well refuted that the, the, the evidence that those scares were based on uh, was. Yeah. Sorry, bigger part of the, the, the evidence those scares were based on was not was not scientific evidence, and, and um, Dr. Wakefield was struck off the medical register. That's right. That's that right. Was. But have you had in your time as a as a practitioner, yeah, Nick? Well, have you had families refusing it, the MMR? Well, clearly the vaccination uptake rates tell us that the uh, it, families are choosing, uh, in some cases, not to be vaccinated. But I think it's less because of Wakefield now and more because of other issues. Uh, and we're not really sure what the, what those issues are. Uh, there, <clears throat> there may have been a slight drop-off um, during the pandemic when, uh, even though we were still vaccinating children, uh, access was slightly more difficult to, to, to practices. Um, you know, the, I suppose we did have during the last number of years, some of the measures that we had in place for COVID, the cough etiquette, you know, which we all should still uh, practice, uh, you know, the social distancing, which we no longer need to practice, of course, but all of those things meant that other infectious diseases, for example, measles, were less as well, and perhaps people became a little bit less uh, uh, concerned or let their guard down. But but the, the clear take-home messages like measles is back yeah. uh, we are at high risk in Ireland of a measles uh, outbreak and that unvaccinated children who get measles are at high risk of complications including as I mentioned pneumonia seizures and in severe cases brain damage and death and for the sake of a simple safe vaccine uh, given over the age of 12 months uh, 
we could prevent uh, a measles infection in children and prevent a measles outbreak in our communities. Very important that we do that for the children themselves, but also for younger people, younger children under the age of one who cannot be vaccinated, for immunocompromised people who cannot have the vaccine, uh, and perhaps even for pregnant people who may not have been vaccinated. So there are vulnerable, uh, there's one just patient protection, there's the individual who gets protected, but there are also vulnerable people in society who will be at high risk of measles complications should they be infected. And it's important that we all get vaccinated to protect ourselves. And protect and a others. question that's come in here, Nick. Is it a vaccine one needs to top up or is it one of these wonderful vaccines that you get it, you get it and you're, you're immune for life? So one dose uh, confers immunity in about 95% of the population. You need two doses to get kind uh, of 99% of the population uh, immune. And once you've had two doses in a lifetime, it doesn't need to be topped up. Um, where there is confusion or where it is difficult to access records um, there is no harm in an additional dose but two doses are what are needed for, for uh, to confer immunity. Okay alright Nick thank you very much Dr Nick Flynn good to have you back on the show he's medical director of Medihub on Union Key. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Andrew Wakefield was a doctor in the UK and in 1998 he produced a study that claimed entirely fraudulently that the MMR vaccine caused autism. It has been rubbished and rubbished again and rubbished again and again. But still, sadly, people believe it. He was struck off the medical register because of all of this. But still there are people who believe what Andrew Wakefield was touting back in the 90s and that's what we refer to as the Wakefield generation people who were of that time who believed the man and didn't vaccinate their children and Nick said there are other factors and he's no doubt right but I certainly am around long enough to remember the whole controversy over Wakefield, I interviewed the man I interviewed his critics I interviewed his fans and the man did untold damage to vaccination uh, 0818969696. Now, Audrey Berkeley, we've talked before, is a vaccine nurse. Audrey, the, the measles vaccine, it needs to be taken up now and taken up quickly, doesn't it? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks very much for taking my call and thanks to PJ and your production team for having me on. Definitely. Okay. Um, it's extremely important. And as you mentioned there about Andrew Wakefield, okay, they're quite worried, the cohort of those, because the, um, that report came out in 2000. And the cohorts that are quite concerned with are those which are now at the age of 18 to 25 years, particularly the boys, because many parents may not have, may not have vaccinated their child at that age because of that report. So, the, for the listeners, like they always want information via about the measles, you know, they, oh, they want to get literature, they want to read about it. Like the site that I would recommend is the, the national immunization.ie, the, um, health surveillance protection, um, the health protection surveillance centre, and also NIAC, which is our national immunization advisory committee, are looking, you know, at the moment, if we have to report nine reported cases, we don't have an outbreak, but we have nine reported cases. So they, they keep looking at the search, and then they decide then, is there good, at the moment, it is said, as Nicole Finn mentioned, there's a catch up, okay, for those up, up until the age of 10 years, and then NIAC then will decide then, will they view a catch up then as a, um, for an older, for any ages above 
can. So Nike will give us direction what to go from, from onwards. So we keep looking at the cases, and that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, and as it's important to point that out. They apparently have nine reported outbreaks. They're not. They're not confirmed yet. That, that has to be yes, confirmed through lab correct, tests. Yes. But but nine. But if we had nine cases, Audrey, that'd be more cases than than the last five years combined. That would be worrying. Yes. It would be extremely worrying. And like we always need to look at the measles outbreak as well in ninety nine to two thousand outbreak where we had um one thousand six hundred cases reported in Ireland. Many cases were um diagnosed around the Dublin area. So um and that's why it's like as like I said I mentioned it's extremely contagious and this is why the vaccination is so important. Like as Nick said that like at um at Traft, the child is one year and again when your child is doing things between four and six years, the child is given a second or more and as you've mentioned, then that is then for life. And like some parents can say, Okay, oh, oh my god, I need I didn't want my child to be my mom at that time. They can go to the GP, okay, um, up, up to the age of 10, okay, they go to be, uh, have the mom by their GP and give them free of charge um, by their GP. But anything after that then is directed from the NIAC. We will have to wait for direction from the NIAC. Uh, if the if the MMR is going to be given to an older age group from 10 years older, but we have to wait in direction from NIAC at the moment. Okay, okay. Um, the, 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 someone's saying here on the phone that their son had compressed measles measles does he need to, yeah having the measles even a mild case that that also confirms Im- immunity for life doesn't it it does but see you also need to think of the measles facts in the mr you're also talking about mumps and rubella so like even if a person did have measles okay we still recommend them to have the mr because they don't then have to make sure they have immunity against um the the mumps and the rubella, because as, um, like as, with the second MR, you get 90%, percent 98, 99% immunity. So that's why, even if you, if you did have um, measles, we still recommend you to have the MMR. Have you ever come across to... that term, Audrey, compressed me- measles? Because the person no, is. You've never no, come across it, no. No, no. Okay, no. all right. Okay, that's it's an it's a new one on on me too. To, to be honest, I just want to ask you before I let you go. You just back from. El Hierro, beautiful part okay. of the Canaries. You saw some distressing things over there. I did. Uh, BJ, can I just uh, let people know about the science of measles as well, just for people to be aware? Of, oh, of course, yeah, you possible? can. Okay, because just for people to be aware, the science of measles, like, it's cold-like symptoms. It would be a, um, a spot from the inside of the mouth. It would be a rash ranging, maybe how many years, the head extending downwards. Um, also kind of very watery red eyes and temperature can go up right up to, um, and also tired eating appetite and also just one in every five children may require hospitalisation so therefore that's very important as a parent if you find yes I am quite concerned don't go to the GP surgery just ring your GP discuss with the symptoms of the phone and the GP will give you advice okay. and also that those that were born those that were born in 1985 that never had the measles vaccine so those who were over 40 years Generally, you might have immunity because you may have had measles as a child. And if you are quite concerned, any of those that are born after 1985 and you're in the high-risk category, then you need to kind of go for um, a blood test to see have you got measles anti- antibodies. Can adults get vaccinated? They can? Uh, Do yeah, they get the they, MMR, yeah? Yes, if you haven't, if they haven't, if they haven't had the, um, if they haven't had the MMR, if they, yeah. Okay. Um, can, but all, yeah. 
Okay, okay. We're, we're thinking here that compressed measles are measles without symptoms. They just appear without the pre-symptoms, without the cold okay. and flu type okay. symptoms. And no spots and even. No spots even. But it's a new one on you and a new one on me. Okay. And like one. any of those who are traveling abroad, okay, where there's, um, where there's outbreaks of measles, like what you could, what, and their child is not, is uh, three years, it's four, still not attending junior, not in school yet. And they're going to high risk areas. What they can do is discuss with GP and maybe crew then have the second of the month before they travel to a high risk area. Okay. All right. Audrey, I was going to talk to you about uh, here. Unfortunately, we are out of time because the measles is, is such a big story. But I will talk to you uh, another time about what you saw, but some very distressing things with uh, migrants and refugees. And you also saw, sent us some very upsetting pictures. But thank you uh, and good luck with everything. Uh, at the moment in this measles alert, we should call it probably, measles alert. Nine possible cases in the country since the 3rd of February. Uh, that's a total of more than you had combined in the last five years. And this is only the 9th of February. So certainly it's very worrying. 0818 96 96 96. It seems that this compressed measles, from what we can uh, dig up this morning anyway compressed measles is measles without any symptoms one would imagine that that's highly infectious too join the conversation this is the opinion line with the furniture centre watercourse road blackpool for sofas beds kitchen dining and mattresses over 45 years in business the furniture centre.ie Cork's 96 FM the minds are live Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Would you like some free money? Do you want free money? Free money, yeah. Free money, you? Free, free money? Like free money? Yeah. Uh, it's coming soon. Your chance to win free money free money very very soon with the word on Cork's 96 FM all the details Monday morning at 8.15 with Lorraine and Ross in the morning all the details of the word only on Cork's 96 FM no I don't know myself and if I did I couldn't tell you the word starts 8.15 Monday Cork's 96 FM with KC and Ross. Can I mention as well just an addition to the sports news well done, congratulations and anything else we can add to those words of praise to young Aideen Mullins we have been following her career here for quite some time now on the opinion line, she's only in fifth year and she has won a string of medals for Muay Thai and at the weekend she picked up yet another one, a silver medal in Thailand uh, fantastic, fantastic young sportswoman. She was honoured last night at the Echo Women in Sports Awards. Um, she got their Outstanding Achievement Award for 2023. And well done to her and her mum, Cynthia, who keeps in touch with me, as does her her uncle Michael. Uh, keep in touch with me. She has her first professional fight next week, next Saturday night, at the Siam Warriors Fight Night in the Barnes Club in Toker. And we wish her well with that, a young up-and-coming sports person, Cynthia Aideen uh, Mullins from, from Tucker. Well done. Well done to you. And congratulations and continued success. 0818 96 96 96. Let us have a quick listen one more time. I won't play it all this time, but let's just have a quick listen to the words 
during his homily, Father Declan McInerney from the parish of Clonfert in County Galway. It's got you going this morning, my friends. I switched on the selection process for Eurosong, a song that will represent Ireland and the Irish people and what we are all about, my friends. All I can say is we are finished. We are finished as a country. I couldn't give two continental hoots what anybody is, but I don't need it slammed in my face. And she was, and he was speaking about Bambi Thug. Kaz, good morning to you. Morning, Pete. How are you doing? Good. You sent us an email, but we gave you a call because you, you make so much sense. What do you want to say? I just think that it's really sad that in 2024 we still have people who want to target other people for simply existing. Like he says, I don't give two continental hoots who anybody is, but don't shove it in my face. So he does obviously care. It does obviously bother him. And nobody's shoving it in their face. So what I was saying in the email was that when it comes to talking about LGBT people, and I've been an ally since I was in school, I'm, you know, everybody talks about how, oh, they're coming for your kids or our kids don't need to know about the sexual details or genitalia and all of this. Like the only people who bring that into the conversation are the people who are against it. Like I've never, I've like, I'm 40, <laughs> I'm in my early 40s now. Mm. I've been an ally since I was about 12. I've had many, many, many conversations about this. And one of the main reasons that I'm an ally is because a close friend of mine hung himself when he was 15 because his parents wouldn't accept him. Oh so I'm very, very passionate about this and I'm the one that found him. Right. Oh so I'm very, very passionate about this. OK, if you're going to come after somebody for simply existing, there's a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of compassion. There's a lack of empathy. It's just they're not coming for your kids. They simply just want to exist. They want to have the same rights as us. I can walk down the street holding my husband's hand. Nobody will look at me sideways, you know, and they should have the exact same rights as that. And it's like they're not coming for your kids. They're teaching your kids. They're coaching your kids. They're childminding your kids. They're working as restaurant staff who serve your kids. They're working as shop workers who serve your kids. They're working as doctors who save your children's lives. They're working as a psychologist who save your children's mental health. Do you know what I mean? They're, it's just the fact that he's going after her the way that he is. It just It's why people like me have turned away from the Catholic Church, have left it. Yeah. Um, because he's talking about shoving it down your throat. But if you if you look at the world that we still live in 2024 now, right? We think we're pretty modern. We think we're pretty progressive. But a lot of the school books are still mum and dad. A lot of the school notes home are still mum and dad. A lot of the, the way you address children in schools is boys and girls. That's heterosexuality. That's binary language being shoved down their throats. Mm. OK, a lot of the TV shows, a lot of the movies are still very heterosexual love, um, love interests. You know, that's being shoved down their throat every day. It's not making them straight. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, I do take just, your point, Kaz, yeah. Exactly the way that, they, that they do it. And then again, if we're going to talk about shoving things down people's throats, every religious organisation... Every religious or um, institution, they have their missions. They go around the world indoctrinating, converting people. Like they have a whole part of their institution dedicated to shoving their message down people's throats, to indoctrinating people to their way of thinking. So it's really, you know, kettle calling the black. It's just the pot calling the kettle black. It just like there was people in that mass 
sitting in the congregation of that mass. There was adults, there was teens, there was children. And I guarantee you that there was people in that church who are not binary, who are not straight. And again, they just heard the message, you're something to be disgusted with. You're something to be ashamed of. You're not okay. There's something wrong with you. You're taboo and you're to be kept secret. And what I said in my email was the only message that those people needed to hear and that any member of the LGBT community ever needs to hear from us, the straight people, is you're enough. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. You're worthy of love and respect and happiness. You should be treated with honour and respect. I see you. I accept you. I love you. And there's many, many more of us willing to lift you up than there yeah. are to tear you down. Well, that's, kid, yeah, that was what, what I found so impressive with the, the Eurosong contest itself was the love in the room for Bambi. And I said yeah. it afterwards. I said to Bambi, like, did you expect that? And no, absolutely not. Got hate, dealt with it beautifully was yeah. just so blown away by the love. And there is far more love out there and far more far positivity more. out there. Do you know, far more love. I, I, I yeah. had a conversation that very weekend, actually, with someone who'd be an old, old friend um, and said to me, and would know my interest in Eurovision, and said, what on earth was that? And I said, our best prospect in 20 years. Next question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how I answered it, you know. But she's, she's an entertainer. She's living her life. Yeah, she's she's being an entertainer. The people of Ireland have chosen. Yes, actually, you know what? You're a legend. We want you to represent us. So in in if we're saying we're finished as Irish people, then I'm delighted because it means that we're finished with the bigotry. We're finished with the racism. We're finished with the homophobia. We're finished with the transphobia that that we're now becoming. We're evolving into something new and strong and beautiful and loving and happy and healthy and whole because that's what we need to be and like the the motto that my kids have that that we raise our kids with is we have two mottos in our house we have you speak up you stand up and you show up for people and the one that we stole off the internet was if you can be anything in this world you be kind yeah. and that's the kind of people that I'm trying to raise. And my kids are the kids that won't tolerate if they hear a kid being bullied. They're the kids that will stand up for it. We, we also, as parents, Kaz, don't we? We also want our par or our children to be able, well, when they're grown up now, but you want them to be able to come into you with anything. 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 And just no matter what. And I yeah. would have said, if I was sitting to, in front of Father McInerney, I would say, I respect your view, Father McInerney. I, I do. You're entitled to you're entitled to have it. But I wouldn't be confident as a young person or anybody coming to you with a problem that you wouldn't judge me or coming to you with a difference that you wouldn't judge me. Exactly. Like he's supposed to be somebody that they can go to for guidance, for confession, for, you know, advice and stuff. And like you're not going to like I want like I've said to my kids, my kids are 12 and almost 10. And I've said to them, there's nothing in this world that we can't resolve. And no matter how big of a mistake you make, I want your first thought to be, oh, my God, this is really bad. I better go tell mum. Yeah. Like, that's how I want them. And like, I have no problem. Like, have your religion. Believe in your religion. I respect your freedom to have your religion. I would never, you know, diss anybody's religion under any circumstances. I'm fully you know, supportive of everybody living their life the best way that they can. But, you know, there's that, that quote by um, James Bowden, and he says that we, what is it, we can agree, sorry, we can disagree and still love each other yeah. unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. I think that's how that quote goes. 
Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I've heard the one. I couldn't. I, I, I'm not entirely certain, but I know you're you're on the right lines. Kaz, I, I'm sorry. We've talked before. I'm sorry to hear about what happened to you when you were young and your friend and all of that. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. It was a long time ago, but it's one of those formative experiences that kind of cements things for you. You know. Ain't that the truth? So. Ain't that the truth? Thank you very much, and have a good weekend. I know you're, you're heading away with the girls. Enjoy. Thanks, Kaz. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. What a hypocrite that priest is, says Kate. I was watching the news again last night. Yet more complaints about priests. This time the Jesuits. What hypocrisy! And he's having a go at Bambi, says Kate. Yeah, this is the Joseph Marmion story. This is a huge story uh, from the Jesuit order. 93 complaints of sexual, physical and emotional abuse by Joseph Marmion. He's dead. He died a few years ago. Uh, but they have 93 complaints against him now. There are two other priests involved have been named. Their names are not in front of me right now and I can't remember them. But one in particular, Marmion, uh, ah, he was a despicable, despicable individual was Marmion. Uh, PJ, my God, no wonder people give up going to Mass with the likes of that priest and what he said on the altar about Bambi. The Irish public voted for Bambi. Another thing, most 13-year-olds know more about sex than we do. Love the show, says Louise. Yeah, you're not wrong, Louise. Uh, Personally, I have no interest in the song contest or who represents Ireland, but you may be surprised to know I've heard many people express similar views or opinions to those expressed by the priest. The usual story, the silent majority who are afraid to speak out in case they're labelled best wishes from Michael. I've never, ever said that anyone can't speak out, Michael. I do. I know there are a lot of people bothered by Bambi and what Bambi stands for and who Bambi is. And the person who said to me would be an old friend, what was that? I said, that was our best Eurovision prospect in 20 years and we've had a couple of interviews now me and Bambi and I really really enjoy talking to them I really really do and I look forward to talking more before the Eurovision Michaels in Charleville says fair play, fair play to that priest it's about time someone takes this on let children be children with children's things without putting things that way that they could easily be brainwashed and can't deal with mentality COVID lockdowns separation from friends and the world generally it's already too much for a child developing. If the church starts protecting children, it would be something and someone on their side and the side of parents. There doesn't seem to be anybody else doing the job, says Michael from Charleville. Well, Bambi though, has nothing to do with children. The Eurovision Song Contest has nothing to do with children other than the fact that they might watch it. PJ, play no heed to that priest. I'm originally from Clonfert. There's always someone, isn't there? And he's always ranting on about something or other. He did the same with three teenagers who were killed in a car crash. You're joking me. I stopped listening to him after that. Lisa says, I'd like to be in a room with that priest for five minutes. Does it not say he who has never sinned throw the first stone? Ass, says Lisa. Uh, and Natasha, in response to Father McInerney's rant from the pulpit, I won't dignify his preaching of hate and isolation with a response, but in response to denying relationship and sexuality education until teens or adults. Oh, yeah, he also would have to say that. I have one name for him. Anne Lovett. Yeah, Natasha. Anne's 40th anniversary was only the other day. The best speech for a priest in all my years of listening to priests, and I'm 67, says Mary. 
Mick says, I'm not saying it's a criminal, but a Catholic priest trying to shame people is a disgrace. Then Gary says, the priest is spot on. Be who you are, but don't make a song and dance about it, he says. So be who you are, but don't be seen. Gobshite, says Kevin. There's kind of a 50-50 split there, I'm thinking. Uh, A lot of people agreeing, quietly or otherwise, with at least some of what Father McInerney was saying. But still, I would think if you were to make take a balance of the love in the room, it's it's nearly all on Bambi's side. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Quartz 96 FM Hi there, Troy Tuberty here. Be part of my new adventure this Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. I'll have something for everyone with a mixture of conversation, laughter and great music. Talk to you this Sunday from 10am. The Ryan Tuberty Show on Sunday in association with High and I. For every kind of driver, there's a High and I. Find yours at highandi.ie. Cork's 96FM. There was a... Some people were asking me recently was I going to address this video that emerged of Bambi Tug and a song and some questionable scenes in the video without describing it. You'll find it yourself if you go looking for it. Birthday, I think, was the name of the song. Controversial video. And, of course, it got dropped then in the last week or so for people who are trying to question the choice of sending Bambi to Eurovision. Bambi has addressed it gently and quietly in, in that way that Bambi has. It was a long time ago. I was doing a lot of drugs at the time. I wouldn't make that video again. And I don't perform that song anymore. I think that addresses it. So there. 0818969696. Now, um, when you have children, life changes. We've all been there. We have all been there. And there's a new book called Love in the Tropical Years. It's written about couples who've had children and their relationship changes. We always kind of believed, I think most people listening to me would believe, well, you have the children. That's got to change you. That's got to change you. It really does. Uh, Nellie Raymond has been writing about this in uh, The Independent. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Catherine Coolin, uh, the author of the book Love in the Tropical Years. Catherine, it's kind of a given that when some children arrive into a house, small babies bring big changes and that's just it that's just how it is good morning good morning hi nice to be here it is the case that it's not the same when a child arrives and you shouldn't pretend that it is Mm -hmm. yeah it is there's so much that changes i think your whole life changes so uh also your relationship and that's the hard thing because when we start um building a family we have this romantic idea of of having a baby and a family we want to to have, but then we also feel like uh, this couple relationship it's 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 struggling and it's hard to keep love alive in this um, yes in this this phase of having children. Yeah, because questions like and Nelly writes it in the article: Do we have milk? You know, who's doing the <laughs> bath? Will you get them yeah. from school tomorrow? Those become the all-abiding questions. Yes, it's very practical. Um, but you also need to maintain an emotional connection. 
as a couple. And we are putting a lot of emotional connection into the bond with our children. Mm. But uh, we forget that having a relationship, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes en- uh, energy and attention. And when, yeah, when, when at the end of the day, when you're sitting at the couch with your partner, then you feel empty. And it's, um, and even though you feel close to each other, you can hear each other breathe emotionally, you feel very, very distant. And mm. that's not how you imagined it would be. It, because we think, it makes us stronger as a couple, but it's um, it's not, and that's a hard um, a hard idea to um, to to manage. Yeah. A lot of couples break up uh, with when their children yeah. are four or five years of age, yeah, or six years yeah. of age. Even though there were couples yeah. that you think they're never going to break up, that's never going to happen. Do children? Mm-hmm. Does the arrival of children, Catherine? break couples mm-hmm. up almost without them knowing it? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a long way. When couples break up, it's it's not um, in one day they decide that it's not working anymore, but it's months and years. Um, and so they um, they consider it a very long time, I think, before they actually break, break up. Um, but... I, th- I think it's important to know that um, having children is a, is is a struggle on your on your relationship, and uh, you have to find ways to stay connected. And mm. I think couples that survive these intense years um, are the couples that maintained connection and and um, stayed um, yeah and put attention to each other. Yeah. Is is it unfair to think, Catherine, that if a couple mm. break up? because they can't quite deal with raising children, they possibly shouldn't have been together in the first place. Or is that a, uh, an unfair question? No. <laughs> no, I think it's really, it's so normal. You struggle. I mean, it's, and, and we don't really know how to stay connected. We, we never learned how to maintain the relationship in such intense years. So it's normal that we, um, yeah, we, we just do what we, what we can do. Um, and some couples, they realize sooner, sooner or later that they need to maintain a connection and they're, they're losing each other. And then they go probably to a couples therapist, but our couples are trying so hard, but at this, they're trying, um, not in different ways at the same way all over again. And then they notice it's, it's, it's not enough, but I don't think it means that, that, uh, you're not meant to be together. Um, because it's normal that it's hard. It's 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 normal. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's supposed to be hard, you know. Yeah, because I mean, you know, everyone's had that moment, or those who have had the joy of that moment when they place the child in your arms for the first time. You know, I remember the the two things that went through my mind, and I know my wife was the same. One, where's the instruction book? And and, and two, <laughs> yeah. we made yeah. this, or in our case, yeah. these, because we're twins. We made these, like. Mm. That we are now committed to these little creatures for the rest of our lives. That's yeah. that's normal, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's beautiful, you know. It's such a, it's such a beautiful event to become parents, but it's also very overwhelming in the in yeah. this physical way, but also the emotional way, and it happens uh, for you, but also for your partner. So it's happening at the same time in the same way. But very differently because you're different persons. So, and that's, that's really confusing. Like, this should be so beautiful and, and, 
Um, but at the same time, where are you? What's yeah. happening with well, us? Well, re- I think um, reality kicks in as well, doesn't yeah, it? Because sure, it's yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, and everyone will have a different way and you're surrounded by advice from people who are well-meaning but, but really are not helping. And yeah. And that starts a fight because, you know, my mother or somebody, you know, the the dad's mother says something and mom's mother says something entirely different and then they end up fighting one another and you mentioned things like you know are you getting are you going to get milk at the end of the day are, do we have milk is about the only question you can ask without it starting a fight that's difficult yeah yes 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 the the after when you have kids i think it's 96% of the couples have more fights than before so um, because having a kid is also it's an important task and you want to do so well you want to you want to make the best kid possible like you want to be happy and to be um confident and have a good life so it's a very important task and you have different meanings of this task and and different decisions you you're making and it's hard to find a way in between so it's it's a lot fighting because it's so important that this child is happy yeah and of course there's a juggle as well if you take one parent is going out to work they're they're gone in the morning the other parent is staying home with the child has maybe given up their career or put their career on hold they're there all day with the child by the time the other half comes in at six o'clock they're exhausted from the child the other half is exhausted from work and that's a recipe for a row before (sighs) before you even sit down yeah. Oh, yes, yes. And that's that's the the confusing thing like we have the same kid and we we are both new parents or parents, but we were experiencing it in such a different way because our life changed in a different way. And um that that's that's hard to to make to find a balance. Like how how do we do this? And when you're exhausted and you want to give the child to me because you've fed it the whole the whole day yeah. and now I come back from work but I'm exhausted too but in a different way and it's hard to understand each other's world at that moment I think um, which may, makes it very hard to connect with each other There's yeah. this view then that well look this is only for a few years uh, and then mm-hmm. we, we can go back on track, go back to where we yeah. were we, we've brought this child or children into the world we now owe it to mm-hmm. them to put ourselves second and put them first We'll have time enough. You 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 don't think that's a good plan, do you? No, because we have to nurture relationships. Like we we can push the pause button and then years later uh, press play again because things happen in these moments when you push when you um, press pause. So you have to nurture it and. When what I notice is when couples say maybe later, maybe when our kids are bigger and and we have more time for each other, then we'll get better and and we'll we'll feel more connected. But it doesn't really happen automatically. And um, at that moment when the kids are bigger, sometimes there's so much dis- distance and it's really hard to find each other again because it's not one meter in between, but it's like a kilometer in between emotionally, yeah. and. You have to build very big bridge to 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 cross it and to uh, be yeah to to be together again yeah. in a way that feels nice yeah. People do things like get the get the child minded, have the child stay with with granny for the night, and they have a date night yeah. as often as they can. 
That's not enough, mm-hmm. you say. No, we need more, but at the same time, we need less because having a date night once in maybe two months or one month, we think it's enough to to fuel the connection of all the hard moments in between. But of course, it's not enough. You know, having four four hours together as a couple should be then enough for all these days in between. Uh, of fights and sleepless nights and um, sleeping sleeping at, at a different bed, it, it's not enough. So I think we have um, we need to have more moments of connection and we need them to be less difficult, um, less of a struggle because finding a babysit is a struggle in its own. Like it's it's hard to find a good babysit. It's hard to find the time for each other. Yeah. So it's not realistic and it's. It's it's not enough, but at the same time, it's too much. So I think we need to catch the moments in between, yeah. the moments that are already there, like passing yeah, each other. But, but there are times when, patient. at the moment, when you have, shall we say, an opportunity to be together, it, yeah. as it, one or other just wants to sleep. Yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there ain't there ain't yeah. much there ain't much time for an afternoon quickie. Is you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> exhaustion is the worst is 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 a a real real thing yeah yeah and you the 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 idea of date nights it's um built on an idea before kids like then it's nice to have to to have enough sleep and then just go in a restaurant and or go into the bar but after kids the idea of a date night it's not the same anymore you don't need the same things but still we think we need to do the same as a couple to feel connected, but it's totally different. And and then it's it's hard to know what, what do we do then and still feel connected. Yeah, what do you do? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And and then I think catching these moments in between. Um and so when you pass each other um doing the dishes, then you hug, but you give a longer hug hug than you normally do. So you your partner is surprised and you can really feel it like or coming home from work and going to your partner first to say, hi, I'm glad to see you. How was your day? Uh, instead of going to the kids first. So it's catching these little moments that are already there, but using them differently um, to put the attention to a partner and to a relationship. And I think that's building up to, to connection and to fuel the relationship uh, instead of doing big things once in a while, special things, and then... Um, yeah, uh, wanting them to be enough. It's not enough. You know, you have to do it on a daily basis, but in small, realistic things. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like sex is the topic that will always come up. And like yeah. you, sometimes you barely have time to make sure there's bread in the bread bin for the morning. You haven't got time mm-hmm. for sex. You just don't have time. No. <laughs> you don't have time and your body is not ready. You know? That's right. Um, or... For for some people, the body is very ready, but the other body is not ready. Uh, so it's that's also a big difference between partners, which is also uh, hard because mostly before kids, everything's fine and it's very automatic that we become that that we have sex and we come into a phase of longing for each other. But then with the kids, there's like so many things going on, and um, I noticed that it's really yeah, it's an intense problem between couples because there's a lot of tension around it. Um, and it's hard to to find a way um, to meet each other there because you're so yeah you have different needs and it starts 
to become something consciousness, like having sex is not something we want and we just do, but it's something we have to build onto um, to make it happen. And that's, that's, yeah, that's how, not how you're used to be having it. And it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Do you have children, Catherine? Yes, I have two. One is seven and one is eight. Okay. okay. Yes. So, so when you sit down to talk to people, you know what they're going through. You, you, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a good thing. Um, and also in my book, uh, there are some of the stories of my own personal life, but also the couples that I meet in therapy. Um, so it's an um, it's a puzzle of a lot of different yeah. voices, which is nice. Yeah. And why and do also, you, why do you uh, call them the tropical years, Leslie? Yeah, but I, I think so. The, the there's only a Dutch uh, book right now, so it's only available in Dutch. So if any Irish publisher is listening, please contact me to get the book into Irish bookstores. Um, but the, it's the literal translation of um, the title in Dutch. Uh, but I think the tropical years is is a too literal translation. So I think it's not really what I'm what I meant. Well, um, we don't know I because you see a lot better? of the trop a lot of the tropics. Well, you'd have a jungle. Yeah. And it, yeah, and, tropics, and those few yeah. years is a jungle. Yeah. So that suits it better. The top. <laughs> yes. The well, years well, are, well yeah. maybe if, if you published it in Ireland, you could call it Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll think about that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Catherine, pleasure speaking with you. Catherine Coolen, uh, author of a new book called Love in the Tropical Years about how to keep your relationship going. As you raise small kids. Ours are 27 now. I will never forget it as long as I live. Being handed these two gorgeous things at midnight. Or just after midnight in the Ernville Hospital. And thinking to myself. Wow, we made these. And two, Christ, where's the instruction book? What do we do now? What on earth do we do, we do now? And it's very hard to maintain your own relationship when you have these small people to be responsible for. I'll be 30 years married in June, so hopefully we did something right along the way. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Courts 96 FM They can call me Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Courts 96 FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. A lot of you talking this morning about Bambi and the priest, and in particularly about Kaz's contribution to the discussion. Kaz, very good contributor, says this message. When you have the United Kingdom PM cracking jokes at the dispatch box while the mother of a dead trans kid is in the building, there's a long, long way to go. Yeah, that was Brianna Jay's uh, mom was in the public gallery in the House of Commons and Rishi Sunak was having a pop off of Keir Starmer and he threw in something that didn't need to be thrown in, shall we just say. Hell yeah, great woman, Kaz, says this message. Uh, David is from Copine. Uh, PJ, I know Bambi personally and the pain that went through all her life. She's my hero and a great artist from Liam the Jonah from Copine. <laughs> Liam the Jonah, that's a great name. Uh, no matter who we send to Eurovision, we support a person no matter what, and I think there was a time and place for this conversation. That's from Anthony. I hope Bambi wins. Well done. Amazing creativity. Will go far. Then Michael says, the song for Eurovision isn't the priest's issue. It was all the other unnecessary information. Bambi's lovely, but should stick to music in interviews. Her sex life and orientation... Is their personal business. That's what the priest was talking about, says Michael. I'm not too sure it was that nuanced, Michael, but your your opinion is valid. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now there's a festival at Drumoland, wonderful place, Drumoland in County Clare, this weekend, supported by uh, Falch Ireland and many other sponsors. It's a music arts and matchmaking festival but it's entirely for the queer community Eddie McGuinness is the matchmaking queen of Ireland. Eddie, good morning. This is a big event. I had no idea how big it was until I looked at the very colourful website. Good morning. Good morning and a celebration of who we are and what we are. Uh, the Outing Festival has been going for over 11 years. Origin originally in Liston Varna doing a new twist on an old tradition but most importantly a celebration and a safe space for us LGBTQ plus uh, people Yeah, Liston Barna of course the biggest matchmaking festival in, in these islands for many a long day but is this festival kind of a was it a kind of a breakaway from Liston Varna Eddie? 
We started way back in 2013 celebrating who we are. The festival needed something different, but also widen out who they're talking to uh, and also their audience base. So we decided to turn it gay or queer or LGBTQ plus uh, in 2013. But with that is we've ended up building an amazing festival so much so is that it's now a queer arts collective and we celebrate all queer art, artists and performers from around the world as well as Ireland. Because so many members of the queer community are involved in the arts, involved in music. Yes, I think it is a celebration, but also most importantly, it's a safe space. And for those who love music, arts, they want to go and celebrate who we are with other people uh, who with like-mindedness and also a love for who they are as well. And I think that, as you know, even with your previous conversations before, no matter who they are, there's still stigma out there, there's still biasness out there, uh, but that's society in general, but we want a safe space, and that's where we are. Here in Clare, the, the county of love, even though Ireland is the county of talking and making sure we have a good match. <laughs> the county of love. I, I've not heard it described as that before, but yay, that's a nice one. They'll wear that with pride. You, know, you were supposed to have um, Sparkle, our, our Cork band there, but Jenny Jenny is, is concentrating on Vibe. Vibe is, you've heard of Vibe, I've no doubt, Eddie, here in Cork, our new club. Oh, definitely. Jen, Jenny is a part of our team here for over uh, near 11 years. Uh, Sparkle, the band, have been, I have to say, an inspiration where, uh, because I've actually booked them for Dublin Pride, uh, performing in front of over 25,000 plus people uh, for the last couple of years. And I am so proud of Jenny, uh, Jen, uh, going forward to open up Vibe because Cork needs a vibrant new place to let people be themselves and a safe place and that is most importantly people need safe places to be who they are yeah you come back to that constantly to be themselves and i think that that says it all i think in just one particular choice of words is there much matchmaking done eddie or is just a big party uh, it's a combination of both, I will say. I stand here with a smile on my face. But we have, over the 11 years, I've done my job rightly because I brought two couples together who've actually got married. Okay. Uh, and our latest one was actually got married last year. And I was even invited to the weddings each time. But most importantly, uh, we've had hundreds of relationships start here. But I think the most uh, crucial thing about it is friendship. We all need friendship because, as we know yourself, uh, online dating, online friendship isn't really real at times. There's no proper communications, but this allows that to happen. I think that's the ethos of what the matchmaking festival was to bring people together. But now, with a new twist, the outing has literally outed the world to what the LGBT community can be. Well, from what we hear about matchmaking, Eddie McGuinness, you're very, very good at it. Have a good festival. Uh, Theouting.ie is a fantastically colourful website. I really enjoyed looking at it this morning. Are there tickets still available and stuff like that? Oh, yes, we're still available. You can pop up on the door. And we've actually teamed up, thinking about the green element and safety as well, we've actually teamed up with Transport for Ireland and Bus Erin. And we have a free bus coming from Limerick, Shannon and Ennis. 
so Mickey Martins in uh, Limerick were picking up. We're outside Supermax uh, in Shannon picking up and then uh, Ennis as well and that's between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock to get here for 9 o'clock because I have a course Victoria's Secret my co-host who has performed alongside most of RuPaul's Drag Race artists and performers she's one of Ireland's uh, biggest performing and up and coming drag artists here Okay Exciting times. Theouting.ie kicks off Drumoland and County Clare this evening Eddie McGuinness thank you to protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Ours to Protect, we learn about the product footprint of electronic devices and how it's cheaper and sustainable to buy second-hand electronics. In the age of rapid technological advancement, the smartphone industry is at the forefront, continually introducing new models with advanced features. However, this rapid cycle of production and consumption poses significant environmental challenges. A sustainable approach to this dilemma is the growing trend of purchasing refurbished phones. Patrick Power is Senior Marketing Manager for Global Operations at Refurbs. Refurbed is an online electronics um, platform. So essentially we sell refurbished electronics. Um, and what that means is that we have things like phones, laptops, tablets, gaming consoles, even kitchen appliances that are all refurbished. So they were once used, go through an up to 40-step refurbishment process, and then they work exactly like new, but they're actually sold at an average of about 40% cheaper versus a new device. A significant concern in the smartphone industry is electronic waste. With millions of phones discarded annually, e-waste has become one of the fastest growing waste streams worldwide. These discarded phones often end up in landfills where they can release harmful toxins into the environment. To better understand their environmental impact, Refurbed worked with a research institute in Austria to obtain tangible, transparent environmental indicators based on scientific methods for five reference products. So when it comes to specific figures on the amount of e-waste we've saved, we've saved over 380,000 tonnes of e-waste so far at Refurbed. Um, so that would be the actual devices going to landfill. But aside from that as well, the um, refurbishment of devices or of electronics saves a lot of carbon and also saves a lot of water. So we did some research with the Fraunhofer Institute. They're um, a research institute in Austria. They'd be quite renowned. And from the research we've done with them, we see that refurbished tech on average saves 80% of carbon versus the creation of a new device saves over 70% of the e-waste and actually over 90% of the water usage. So overall, customers are really, really making an impact on the environment when they're opting for refurbished technology. At Refurbed, sustainability is at the core of their business. They're committed to reducing electronic waste and minimising the carbon footprint associated with the production of new devices. To further their sustainability efforts, Refurbed partners with Reforest Nation, a tree planting NGO dedicated to restoring and preserving Ireland's natural landscapes. At Refurbed, um, the devices on average save about 80% of carbon versus new. But with that in mind, that means there still is 20% produced. So we want to make sure that we're doing as much for the environment as we possibly can. And one of the things that we do there is that we plant trees and they're all native trees. So we plant within Ireland and we also plant in other countries around the world. And for every tree, that's, every product, excuse me, that's sold, we plant a tree and the tree is native to that location. And what that means is you're planting a tree that's going to sequester carbon and it's going to reduce the carbon impact. 
but also it's creating local biodiversity. So it's making habitats for birds, for, you know, insects, uh, small animals around Ireland and around other countries. So it's something we're really proud to do because it's a positive impact for the environment. In November 2023, new rules to make it easier for consumers to have electronic or electrical goods repaired rather than replaced and binned were passed by the European Parliament. That's something Refurbed strongly supports. So that actually is not specific to refurbished tech. It's for all tech that if you buy a device, even new, you should have a right to repair it. There's a lot of companies who make it really difficult for customers to repair devices. Or if you do repair it, then it's no longer under their warranty. And it's just a a difficult, cumbersome process. They put a lot of blockers in there. And we want those blockers to be removed because it's not fair for consumers, number one, to have to go through these difficult and costly processes. But number two, it's also really unfair in the environment that there's a device where 100% can be fixed. No problem, no questions. But people are just putting blocks in there for capital gain. So that's something that we're also fighting hard against. Um, And it's, it's really nice to see there have been some changes. As of 2024, the universal charger is being brought in, and that's by EU law. And that means that all devices, like small electronics, will have to be able to be charged with a USB-C charger. So they all have the one port, which means we won't need to be having 25 different chargers for 25 different devices in our houses. So that's one small step in the right direction. But we really want to continue to lobby that at a European level. To learn more about refurbished electronics and their impacts, visit refurbed.ie or check the show notes of this episode. To protect, brought to you by Cork's 96 FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. Thanks for that, Katie. Hours to protect for this. That's an interesting one, actually. Refurbed stuff. My, my pal who does all my phones, morning, Aiden, looks after my phones, said to me the last time that I, I showed him what it means put a glass on my phone. I said, well, when I change that now when the new one comes out and he looks at me and he goes, why would you? It's the same phone, just a different number and 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 more cost. I've had the same phone now for, I'm coming on for four years and I don't need to end with it. And I would be very, very, very tempted uh, by going for refurbished uh, next time out. So, good one. Ours to protect back at the same time next week. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Coach 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Morning, morning. This morning, uh, we spoke early in the show. You'll hear it back on podcast with Anne. Anne is distressed at the moment because her, her dog... Aspen, a lab, beautiful lab, only a year and a half old, is very, very, very sick and only barely made it through last night. She had Aspen out for his run. She took him to Riverstick one day and she took him to James Fort the next and she thinks it was James Fort he picked something up because there seems to be a common, a common pattern in that part of the county. There are some very, very sick doggies and indeed 
two dogs have died. And I did, we did see a social media post during the week asking people or mind not to let your dogs off the lead if you're down around James Fort because there's something going on. The dogs are getting really, really, really sick. And the vets, at least Anne's vet, doesn't know what it is, doesn't know what's causing it. It's not a virus, it's not Paravo because they don't have any symptoms of Paravo. And the thing it's a poison, but toxicology in dogs is very difficult, very slow. Dennis says if there's sheep in the area, PJ, most likely lands are poisoned because farmers are sick to death of dogs roaming and not being on leads. Thanks for that, Dennis. I would hate to think, I appreciate how awful it is for farmers. And should didn't we talk to the man in Kerry last week about the attack on his flock of sheep and indeed others? over the years but I I still don't think a farmer should put down something onto their land that would cause a dog to die writhing in agony with blood coming out both ends of him I don't think that would be right for any farmer to do that and Ruta says I heard the talk about dogs very sad my dog died in the same way God bless him I had no time to save him I found him covered in bloody poo blood was running from his nose and mouth as well we live in White's Cross but in private house, he was walking free in my yard. Someone seems to be throwing poison everywhere because these death, deaths look suspicious. Have a nice day. That's that's from, from Ruta. Yeah, if this continues, we'll have to try and get to the bottom of it because, because it's, it's very distressing. And look, if it's a thing that farmers are poisoning their land to protect their sheep, we understand that. We get that. But why would you put... If, if it's a farmer, if it's a farmer... It's an awful thing to do. Uh, the dogs die in, in such, and they're so sick and in such pain and so frightened. It's terrible. Anyway, to other matters. Balance Spittle had a flash flood yesterday morning. We heard of it in the afternoon. We weren't expecting it. That's the nature of a flash flood, PJ, schoolboy. But it really affected Balance Spittle very, very badly. And we're only kind of finding out the worst of it, the extent of it. Today, Emily from Chalk and Easel Craft Shop. You were inundated. Good morning. Hi, how are you, PJ? Well, is, is the place okay? It, we're getting there. Yeah, it's um, it's not the first time it happened. It happened. It happened in October as well. So, um, we weren't prepared. You were flo- you were flooded by Babbitt, were you? We were flooded, yeah. We, it wasn't as bad in October. It was definitely worse this time, oh, I think, it? because it happened. Well, it happened during the night, so we didn't have time to prepare. I couldn't get the stock up. Um, we were able to prevent it getting into our house the last time, but this time we came down the stairs and there was sort of a couple of inches oh, of water on the whole ground floor of the house. So, yeah. Is there a river or a stream near you or what? So the the last time we thought perhaps it was coming in from the field behind because my shop's on a corner and then there's kind of a couple of businesses along and then there's another corner and then there's houses and we all kind of were affected by it and there's a field behind. But actually on closer inspection, I think the council came down yesterday and they were there again this morning and they've been looking into it Um Everyone knows the grotto, the, the moving statue yes. of Van Spittle. So there is a, a stream um, up there, and I think the water it travels along the side of the road, but it's clear where it came. It, it, it took its own course, and it obviously went into yeah. the field behind us, and the field obviously got saturated, and yeah. then 
came into it. We have a huge problem with saturated ground since October, since Storm Babbitt. And I talking yesterday with Alan O'Reilly at Carlow Weather, he was saying the same. Any drop of rain falling now, any heavy rain at all falling now, is falling yeah. on already saturated ground and causing problems. Stay there, yeah. Emily. Let me bring in Robert, Robert Platten from the Wild Restaurant. Robert, you're destroyed. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Morning, sir. How are you keeping it well? Good. But better than you, I think, unfortunately, my friend. You're destroyed. Yeah. Um, we were absolutely, we managed to get open yesterday, thankfully. Um, Good. The fire brigade, the fire brigade did a massive job for us. They really did. They hoovered it all out and, you know, they just pumped all the water out. So that gave us a good sort of stepping stone to get it all dried out and ready for the, for the evening. We didn't lose any equipment this time. We did lose it last time. Um, we have a separate issue to the, to the water problem that they have from the field. They'll say at the back, what happens is our water table fills up. Once that fills up, it fills the water table under the building and it comes up the drains and it just fills fills the backyard, fills the kitchen, fills, and it's just, you, you can't get away from it until it pours out the front door, you know, so that's just oh God. something that, yeah, it's just something we can't get away from. And, and the saturated uh, ground isn't helping, I expect. Absolutely not, no, but it, I mean, for us, it's different because we're a bit lower down, so we don't get affected really by the, the, the flood plain, as it were, we get affected from the aftermath of the, the water filling up, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's the second but, uh, time in, what, six months? Uh, three months, four months three. now, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness me. And yeah, this, um, Emily, you're saying this, you, you, there was no warning of this. There was no idea this might be about to happen. No, we, we the last time we were aware, and every and time like there's heavy time. rain since, yeah, we, we uh, were prepared, whereas this, we, we didn't even know it was coming at all. Because there was, and I was remarking it here yesterday morning, I was talking to Alan O'Reilly, there was some very heavy rain fell at Wednesday night into Thursday. Um, I heard it banging off my own roof at home and I thought, God, that's heavy rain. And it's falling on already saturated fields and saturated ground. You can't, people can't sustain much more of this, can they, Robert? Absolutely not, no. no. I mean, restaurants are like as agents reporting, agent companies from the restaurant association reporting every day to, to restaurants closing every day, you know. And uh, there is no real sort of government scheme. And um, Christopher was down there, the TD, with us yesterday, and he was saying there's a humanitarian fund, but you can't have flood insurance to to access it. So it's kind of yeah, that's that's not, that's not the best line, Robert. It's a bit gone a bit crunchy on us. Christopher O'Sullivan, the local TD, was down there, and that's the thing. It seems to be some problem with with this humanitarian relief fund. If you have insurance, you're not eligible for the fund. That's correct. So then yeah. you won't have insurance because you won't get it. You won't get you have you probably haven't either of you probably haven't chance of being reinsured now, have you? Well, I don't I have flood insurance anyway. Sorry, sorry, Emily, you go first. <laughs> um, because the village flooded before it was it, it, uh, about nine years ago. So when I opened my shop, I didn't get flood insurance. Okay, were you able to access the the, the aid then from the government? I believe I will be actually a lovely girl, Anna, from the council was with us this morning and she was really helpful, so um, she was talking us through it. So, hopefully, but you you had insurance, you, you probably won't get it again, will you, Robert? Um, no, I was actually on to my insurance company yesterday just to see what the plan is with it, and he said, if you claim, you will not get flood insurance again. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry for laughing. Isn't that so flipping <laughs> Irish? Isn't it? Isn't yeah. that so, so Irish? You are insured. Oh, that's grand. You are insured, but if you claim, you won't get it again. Yeah, absolutely. So he said, I'd, I'd wait until you're very, very badly damaged and then claim. 
I said, that's lovely. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. So, really, uh, well, I, I think a lot of people are hoping, I know the farmers will hate me for this, but I, I think a lot of people are really hoping, particularly in rural areas, that once the spring kicks in next month and we get into April and May and June, people are hoping for some dry weather to soak all this water up, aren't they, Emily? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's going to. Keep, I mean, otherwise, it's going to keep keep happening. And I know when you when you talk about, I would love to. I loved it, the long dry weather anyway. But we need we need some dry weather in springtime. Otherwise, it's going to st- it's going to keep happening, Robert. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the council is going to have to do something very quickly. I mean, as as Christopher said, he was asked what how long for the red tape to clear until we can actually get some serious plan. He said two years. And I just looked at one of the, which is actually Matt, um, Emily's husband, and I said, three months, two floods, you work it out two years, how many more floods are we going to have to endure for this? Here's the thing, wouldn't that drive you crazy? I mean, there you both are, running businesses, and if you need something done for your business, you get about it quick smart, you put it in place, you get the money, and you sort it out. Anything that comes from government seems to take forever just to talk about it. Just to talk about it, you're dead right, yeah. Never mind, sign a piece of paper and then actually have somebody to come and do the work. And how many more times, Emily, does it have to happen before before something is actually done? I don't think we could go through it again. If there's a fear of it happening again, we'd have to move to business. Wow. And you're there how long? Nine years? Seven, nearly eight. Eight years. And, and if it happens again, that would be it? Yeah. All right, well, that's sad news to hear. Emily Connell from Chalk and Easel, lovely craft shop in Balance Bittle, and Robert Platten from the Wild Restaurant. Same neck of the woods. Twice in three months they have been flooded. Two years their local TD... No, it's not his fault. Two years the local TD is telling them before that even comes to to pass and and, and oh, plans of a scheme. And that's the best thing. I don't know who Robert's insurance company is and I don't really care. And even if I did, I, I couldn't name them but, because that's nothing wrong here. But Robert has flood insurance and he got on to his insurance company and they said, ah, yeah, you're insured, you're covered, that's no problem. Um, but if you claim, you won't get insurance next year. So wait until there's a real problem. Wait until it's really bad. Wait until it's really bad, and then we'll pay for it. And then you won't get any more cover. But because he has insurance cover, he can't get any help from the government scheme. Uh, 0818-969696. Sometimes if you didn't laugh, you'd, you'd, you'd cry. Back to Bambi and the priest. Um... I haven't any clue about Eurovision, not much interest even, but the Irish voted for Bambi to represent us, and though not my particular taste in music, I think they'll do a great job. Can people just leave other people be people? The priest has some nerve shaming anyone. Look in the mirror first before you have the audacity to shame anyone. Kaz put it all perfectly. And that is from Orla in Middleton. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnitorecentre.ie Corks 96 FM You're currently on 9 out of 10. Uh, your question 10 was who wrote the novel American Gods? You said Neil Gaiman. The answer, unfortunately, is Neil Gaiman. You got
four repeat questions in there. Um, no, so he did well. Here's the listen, girl. Oh my God, we'll be making a promo out of you. The two grand minute. With Cork Dental Care, you'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at corkdentalcare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. Speaking of music, have a listen to this. Certified is the name of the song. It's by an artist called Laura Bryna. No, I hadn't heard of her either until the other day, but she's quite an accomplished country and western artist. Uh, she's performed with Taylor Swift, so I'm sure our Katie has heard of her. She's worked with Emily Harris, one of the country greats, Carrie Underwood, who I think is, isn't is Carrie Underwood, Mrs. Garth Brooks, or was she at one point Mrs. Garth Brooks? So she's well up there with the greats of country music. But she thinks, uh, Laura Bryna thinks that she has Cork roots. She does. Now, Laura, she joins me. Laura, you, your search is in its very early days, um, but you are determined to track down these Cork roots. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I, I'm excited to find my roots and, and really know where I came from. And everybody here in Ireland has been so wonderful in helping me uh, and reaching out and helping me find my roots here in, in Ireland. Because I know my grandmother is so proud of her Irish roots. And, and she's always said, oh, I, you know, our family has come from County Cork. And, and uh, so I thought, you know, I've been coming over to Ireland quite a bit. And, and I thought, you know, I thought that my, my relationship with Cork was a great, great, great grandparent, but actually it's really a great grandparent. So I thought, you know, when I found this out, I was like, you know what, I really need to go and explore and find this out. Uh, but yeah, you know, my, my grandmother's around, she's 95, so she kind of goes in and out. So she's got a little bit of dementia. So I get bits and pieces that she remembers. And then sometimes it's, then she doesn't remember. So it, it's been tough trying to get that, but, but I'm excited to, to know my roots here in Ireland. The name we have is Jack Cummings. Tell me what you know about Jack Cummings. So from what I know about Jack Cummings, because my actually my mom's brother, he did one of those Ancestry.com or 23andMe. And so he knows a little bit and he's found out some things. So I think they may have dropped the G or maybe that the G was added or something like that. So it could be Cummings. But when he came to the States, I guess maybe it's 1940s, I think, somewhere around there. The picture that we have is of him at the U.S. patent office or in the U.S. government. So uh, we're trying to figure this out. So any help we can get, we love, I love your help. Well, Cummings wouldn't be a common name here. There'd be quite a lot of Cummins. The Cummins, the well-known Cummins, would be a sporting family going back many years. I've got so much to find out. <laughs> so I'm excited about this, uh, this trip and, and, and learning everything I can. So I, I'm, I'm definitely coming back very soon and, and we're going to do some more exploration. But, but yeah, it just, you know, it was finally the right time to do this because I just thought, oh, well, maybe if my mom is my grandmother's name, well, we call her my mom, but uh, she was Patricia Cummings. So when, I guess when, uh, when he came, when Jack came over to the States, I guess they added the G. So I think it might be Cummins. 
But if anybody out there knows anything, I would love your help. So Jack Jack Cummins or Cummings, we allow for either Jack Cummins or Cummings that would have left Cork in in the 1940s, you reckon? I think so, somewhere around there, because a couple people have looked at that picture and said, no, oh, it's probably 40s, 50s, something like that. So, uh so that's what we're thinking. Okay. You were born in Maryland. Yeah, near Washington DC. And and music, how did how did you get into music? Was it was that always the career path? It has always been the career path. You know, I, I love I love touching people's hearts. I love I love singing. I you know, I it, that childhood dream has always been to sing. And you know, there's so many different opportunities and different branches of the tree is what I like to say. And all different opportunities come up and different things. So the dream goes so many different places and it's led me here to Ireland. And, you know, I, I really first got into country music. My brother was sick when he was younger. And so he had a brain aneurysm and he was in a hospital, children's hospital in Washington, D.C. And and where I'm from in Maryland, we're from a really, really small town, like turn left at the church, right at the cow and left at the pasture. I mean, we're really in the middle of nowhere. And uh, actually, my mom still lives in that house. And uh, it's definitely a one horse town. But but, yeah, we would drive to go see my brother every day. And it was like an hour, hour and a half to Washington, D.C. Um, and we would listen to country music on our way there. And it you know, that was country music is about real life events that are going on and, and great lyrics, great melodies, good times, bad times, all of the above. And, you know, we needed something uplifting or something that we could you know, we were looking for anything for a sense of hope. And, you know, music is healing and music is, is uh, everybody can relate to music. And, and that's actually how I got into uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation too. I, you know, when I, when I heard, you know, this country music, I thought, you know, God, I want to, I want to do something with this someday if I can and, and whatnot. And, and uh, so I Make-A-Wish came to grant my brother a wish and thank God my brother's alive and doing well. Cause most people don't make it through a brain aneurysm, but he was in a coma for six and a half months. And when the doctors told my, my brother, you know, he's not going to make it, you need to let this go. And my mom's like, I can't do that. <laughs> and, you know, we're a bunch of mixed marriages, deaths, divorces, and all that kind of thing in our family. So we're a very much a blended family. And so uh, my brother, Woke up one day, he had to learn how to talk and eat and walk and all of those things. And Make-A-Wish was there. And they said, you know, we'd like to grant you a wish. And, you know, my brother took a moment to think about it. And he said, you know what? I'm actually doing okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be fine. You need to give this to another child that really needs it. And so, uh, you know, it's always been important to me and my family and my parents to give back and help those less fortunate or help those in need any way that we can, whether it's through music or volunteering, whatever it may be. And so I actually have volunteered for Make-A-Wish. I've granted wishes. I've stuffed envelopes. I've made phone calls. I've sat on the board. And, uh, you know, it's just like Whitney Houston says, you know, children are our future, you know, teach them well and let them lead the way. Um, so to me, I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a part of that. And so I got together with some friends of mine who happened to be some Grammy nominated songwriters and we wrote a song called make a wish and they used it as a theme song. And, uh, you know, that whole idea of being at the right place at the right time. And there was one of my managers was 
and this is really ridiculous. It was in the grocery store, I guess, in the toilet paper roll. And, you know, there he was. And a couple like RCA, some different companies came up to him. And they're like, hey, we'd love to talk to you about Laura and this Make-A-Wish song and whatnot. And we hadn't even finished writing it. We were still in the studio recording it. And they approached him in the in the grocery store. And, you know, it, it's definitely the luck of the Irish, I guess. <laughs> the way you tell it, Laura, you, your whole life story uh, sounds like a string of country songs. The way, you know, country right? is, is songs of story. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, if you actually do manage to find where the Cummingses or Cummingses came from, there's a whole album in that story. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, that's what I love about country music. It's really just about life or things you see. Like a lot of times I write about things that I see going on or something in my life or I've seen a girlfriend go through or you know, so it's just it's, it's something we all can relate to. As you know, from being here, there's a huge following for country music in Ireland. There is. And everybody's been so wonderful and so welcoming. And and I love that so many people have reached out about this, uh, about my trip, with about trying to find my roots. It's so wonderful. And actually, you know, I, I kind of compared Ireland to Nashville. I don't know if you've ever been to Nashville, Tennessee, but everybody's so kind and so nice and so warm and so friendly and always willing to help. Yeah, well, I, I really enjoyed uh, your Christmas song as a collector of Christmas music. Ah. I, loved, I loved it, i got to say, Laura. And you, your new song's a rocker. The very best of luck to you with this. Maybe to go back to it again, Jack Cummings, or Cummins, left Cork, we think, in the 40s, mar- married a woman called Patricia no, that's his daughter. His daughter. That's my grandmother. Okay, okay. And what's yes. his, what was his wife's name? You know what? I don't know that. <laughs> I, I have to figure that out, too. <laughs> okay. We're a missing puzzle, so I need all the help I can get. So if you all know something, right. let me know. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of work to be done, but who knows? So yes. Jack Cummings or Cummins left for America, we think in the 40s, worked in the... And the U.S. government, they think it was the patent office. Okay, work here. Okay, he worked, he, worked, he worked in a government office in the States. He has a daughter called Patricia, and that's as much as we know, and we're trying to, we're trying to take it from here. Yes. Laura, it's been a joy to speak with you. Best of luck with music, and best of luck with finding Jack's story. Thank you so much for having me, and I can't wait to come visit. Yeah, come call into us the next time. Laura Bryna. Um, yeah, no, of course, Carrie Underwood was not um, Mrs... Mrs. Gareth Brooks, I think that Gareth Brooks, that, I think that was Trish Yearwood. One Underwood, Yearwood, you get confused with your woods, don't you, along the way. She hasn't much to go on now, to be fair. All she has is a name, uh, Jack Cummings, or it could have been Cummins, uh, who emigrated from Cork to the United States. That's as much as she has. And the Cork connection left from Cork, which most people did back in the day. It's not a lot to go on, but she's determined to, to follow it through. 0818 96, 96, 96. Did you see that story in the, I don't know if you're following it at all, the controversy over the basketball game between Ireland and Israel in the Eurobasket qualifier. It's a big European tournament and the Irish were playing Israel in the qualifiers for that, and it, the match got moved to Riga because of, in, in Latvia because of the situation, of course, that's ongoing in the Middle East, and they were coming under pressure at one point to not play the match 
but Basketball Ireland said, look, we have to play the game because if we don't play the match, we could be fined, we could be expelled, we could be out of the international scene for as much as five years. Uh, and they felt that boycotting the fixture would, yes, it would make a point, but would go against them in, in the long term. So they went ahead with the pick, with the fixture and then there was an accusation from one of the Israeli players that the Irish players were anti-Semitic. And there's a picture in today's papers, if you've picked up on it, of just before the match, which Israel won and, and won handy, actually, as it turns out. But they couldn't be standing further apart from each other on the court. They, they really couldn't, like. And the Irish team for the pre-match didn't come onto the court. They stood by their own dugout area. The Israeli team came onto the court and then there was no shaking of hands. The Irish team refused to shake hands before the match. And that's what we believe. It's because of the accusation of anti-Semitism. It's just, it's just awful when, when the things of sport and, and politics gets mixed up like that. I was listening to one of the chief executives or one of the executives of Basketball Ireland making the point, look, if we boycotted the game because of what's going on in Gaza, then that would make a point. But we'd be the next five years as cast-outs, effectively, from European basketball. So, And it wouldn't achieve anything anyway. It wouldn't stop anything. It wouldn't save one life if we'd refused to play that game. We'd be shooting ourselves in the foot. I don't know whether you agree with that or not. We've talked to Maria Gillen many times about storytelling. And I think at this stage, Maria, what's become almost a love affair for you with Morocco as well. Good morning. Hi, uh, PJ. Indeed, you know, um, Morocco has been very good to the Irish storytellers and to me in particular. And um, I actually um, was performing for James McIntyre, the Irish ambassador to Morocco in uh, December. So that was a huge honour to bring Irish stories to a world stage, if you like. How many Um, times have you been over there now, Maria? Four times, four times. So um, I've been twice to the festival and I've done a bit of a a tour of the universities. Um, You you know, kind of, um, I have an MA in drama therapy myself, so I would have been looking at the healing side of stories with the university students, which was amazing. And then also the Irish um, embassy is just coming up to two years old now. So um, to be able to represent Ireland in our embassy over there was just amazing. You know, really a, a huge honour. Fantastic. Um, and and the ambassador couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. Uh, he was actually interviewed on Morocco News, which is like the RTE of, of uh, Morocco. So it was brilliant. You know, it really kind of highlighted storytelling and how storytelling can bring us together. Mm. So I was very interested listening to what you were saying about the basketball um, because yeah. in the World Storytelling Cafe, we actually have the kids from Gaza telling stories mm. and then the storytellers from all over the world take one of their stories and they retell it and it's a way of holding a hands through story oh. you know so yeah it's amazing like, so you know, the little so, kids that are going through this terrible thing they come in they tell yeah. their story their way and then a, if you want a professional storyteller retells it and then it goes into the That's storytelling right. circle so the whole yeah, world gets right. the story 
through the storytellers. That's fantastic. That's as old as the hills, Maria, spreading. Absolutely. I mean, how much history and folklore did we spread through storytelling? Absolutely. You know, it's amazing. And then that brings us on nicely to the intergenerational storytelling that we've been doing. So we've just come to the end of Bridget's week. And I was like, is Bridget the patron saint of storytellers? She's given us so much work. But actually, it turns out that it's St. Blaise. And uh, I was down in Bandon, who are amazing, you know, for um, promoting the arts and promoting bridges. We have the Bandon Bridgets out there. So I, I just want to say hello to all of them, you know. Mm. And um, St. Blaise, St. Blaise, St. Blaise. Isn't that the patron saint of throats, <laughs> your, th- your throat as well? Throats and storytellers, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, Poor Bridget, we should be bringing her in as well, you know. Um, but uh, the, the lads, the, the, um, one of the ladies in the intergenerational project told a story about her granduncle, whose name was Peter O'Connell, and he made the first ever Irish dictionary, which is in the British Museum, you know. Wow. So we put the story up on, um, this is the red thread of story now, connecting everyone again. We put it up on the YouTube and then I was telling stories in Spanish Point for St. Bridget's Day. We were we were doing um, we were looking at the three miracles of the cloak and they said, we saw this woman and we know Peter O'Connell um, because he was from County Clare, right. you know. And I said, and did you know that um, he took responsibility for the body of the Colleen Bond and buried her hair in County Clare? And I was like, oh, my God. Isn't it amazing? What a story. Isn't Out of the story, amazing? yeah. You have a festival of sorts coming up then, haven't you, in April? I do, I do. So um, the Mad for Road storytellers are coming to Cork and I cannot wait to show it off, you know, so we who, made... Who are this, the Mad for Road storytellers, Maria? I tell you, we, we made a peer group of storytellers um, when we, you know, kind of on our first visit uh, to Morocco because we'd all been stuck in behind the screen for two years and it was great to see that people had arms and legs again. And we said, you know, the story road can be a lonely road. So we decided to go to one another's towns. And at the time, I was storyteller in residence for uh, Listole in County Kerry. Mm-hmm. So they flew into Kerry first. That was the first one. Then we went to the London Irish Centre. Then we went all the way up to Antrim in the north of Ireland. Then we went over to um, to Cornwall, which is very strong links with Kinsale. And the next one, PJ, is Cork and they can't wait to come to Cork and there'll be a great bouquet of accents. And I actually, I, I'm looking forward to it so much. I, I, I keep waking up saying, is it April yet? When is um, it on? Yeah, April. What what day? It's, is yeah. It's around the time of the Lifelong Learning Festival, isn't it? That's it, yeah. It'll be the 12th today. The, the, I think the Friday is the, the 12th. So they'll be coming in on the Friday and they'll be staying until the Monday. Um, and then also uh, we have Taffy Thomas OBE coming. So I don't know if you know about Skilligan's Day. Do you know about Skilligan's Day? Skilligan's Day. Don't even know who Skilligan yeah. was. Fucking cock. Yeah. So the, it's a festival that has always been celebrated in Cove. And our very own fabulous Jimmy Crowley is keeping it alive and well. And it goes back hundreds of years and what used to happen was everybody would get married on Shrove Tuesday otherwise they could not get married until after Lent that's you right know? 
You tell that to people yeah. now, they wouldn't believe you. You couldn't get married during Lent. Yeah. So yeah. You, and then all the other stories that you wouldn't believe that kind of um, came through it as well were amazing. You know, and so like where were the bodies buried? If the bodies <laughs> fell in, into, the, into the sea. So Paddy on Waylon will be talking about that. And we'll be celebrating Skilligan's Day um, in Cove on the 12th of uh, February, which will be Shrove Tuesday. Okay. You know, okay. Okay. so that's going to be, and it'll be a whole day of celebrations. Excellent. And then because of that, then there has been a link that was sent out uh, to the UK. So the most famous storyteller in the UK, I, I would put him akin to our Eamon Kelly, is a man called Taffy Thomas, OBE. So he was knighted by the Lord Queen for services to stories. And one of the big services was because he collected Irish traveller stories. Uh-huh. And he's a lovely man. And he's very connected to our Jimmy Crowley because they used to meet at the Whitby Festival every year, you know. Okay. So I just, just before coming on with you, PJ, I got news from the fabulous folk at the Park Country Arts. So that's Maeve and Ian. That um, they're actually going to post. They're going. They're going to make a session with Taffy in Passage West Library. Excellent. Then we're going to come across on the ferry, and then we're going to go to Cove Library, and we just we're really looking forward to it. So that be in March, you know, okay. and they can get all that information up on Story from Seeds, which is. Um, my page up on okay. Facebook. What's it, what's it called again, Maria? Because i got to do one more thing before I get out of here. It's called Story... Story from Seeds. Okay. So Story from Seeds, Facebook, yeah. Okay, and Skilling, Skillington Day, or Skillington Day. There are, Skillington's a popular surname in Cork, but I never heard of that Skillington Day. Thank you. Maria Gillen, Storyteller Supreme, and mad for old storytellers... Oh, it's great. The, the the gift of the art of storytelling is is still with us and great to see it. Now, lastly today, um, there is an event coming up at Le Cabaret, which is next weekend. Is the show busy from the big drive home? Taking over Le Cabaret and you're bringing a Love Island hunk with you. Is the show busy? Good morning. What's going on here? Good morning. And you know what? I actually just got my nails done for the event, so I have, like, hearts on them. Because, you know, Valentine's Day... I thought you were going to say you got your nails done for the programme. I'm disappointed now. (laughs) So nobody can see them for the (laughs) programme. But anyway, yeah, so we're going to do... It's it's this show that I've done for a number of years now. It's called Izzy Match Busy, you know, because everyone calls me Izzy Show Busy. And I just started, like, matchmaking people years ago, and it took off. We used to do it on, like lives during lockdown on my Instagram page and then we started bringing it to venues around Cork and we did Le Cabaret before and it was so amazing so I was like you know what let's bring it back for Valentine's make it bigger and better bring over as you said a Love Island hunk so we have Finley Taff coming now and he won Love Island I don't know if you can remember with Paige he won the winter series and it wouldn't uh, be huge on the history of Love Island mm, but I'll take your word yeah. for it is he? <laughs> and uh, he's a lovely guy and he's also single himself oh. but he's there to talk about like dating dilemmas right and then we have like a number of contestants that pop up on stage and chat to me 
and we I don't match anyone up with anyone that's kind of the beauty of it it's like I put you all in the same room people come up on stage and talk about themselves a little bit and then it's kind of up to you on the night if you want to like go over and have the chat like a mingling moment or you know you might swap Instagram pages it's that kind of nice okay okay tickets available Tickets available on Eventbrite and also on air with myself and Simon Fay a little bit later on. All right. Okay. Good luck with it. Uh, Izzy, show busy. Uh, uh, Back back on the big drive home at uh, four o'clock today, but taking over Luc Cabaret for Izzy Match Busy on Saturday 17th. I have no words except get your tickets because it sounds like being fun night. Thank you, Is. 0818969696. I think that's about the size of it for today and for this week. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. TheFurnitureCentre.ie. Cox 96 FM.